This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciple a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. He said, there was a judge in certain town who neither feared God nor respected any human being. And a widow in that town used to come to him and said, render a just decision for me against my adversary. For a long time, the judge was unwilling, but eventually he thought, while it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she finally come and strike me. The Lord said, pay attention to what the dishonest just says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him date and night? Will he be slow to answer them? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. That gospel passage is the first eight verses of the 18th chapter of Luke. The gospel writer says at the beginning that this, is, if this includes a parable from Jesus for his disciples, his followers, about the necessity of praying always without growing weary. So that's obviously not about continuous prayer, as in 24-7 we're supposed to be praying. That's impossible. It's about continual prayer. Anybody who's a disciple of Jesus should be, have as a permanent part daily of his or her life praying regularly, a permanent part of my life. We've actually heard a lot about prayer in the Gospel of Luke this liturgical year on Sundays to remind you of a few things. We've heard over and over that prayer is fundamentally our growing in communion with God. We've heard that there are many different forms of prayer. There's prayer of praise, prayer of thanksgiving. There's also prayer of petition, where, which is what this is going to be focused on today, where we ask God for things that we hope are of God's will. We've seen that Jesus continually prays, particularly the gospel writers emphasize when he's making big decisions, when he's entering into really important phases of his earthly ministry. We've seen that prayer is about talking to God, it's about listening to God, particularly through the scripture. St. Paul emphasized that today in the second reading. It's about reflecting on God's word. And we've heard over and over, well, also remember this summer, Jesus gives us the Our Father to guide our prayer, to kind of frame it and to prioritize how we pray at all times. And over, over and over again, we've heard that the goal of prayer is for us to grow in God for us to grow individually and collectively. We're here today praying together, and we're always united with one another, even if we're on a desert island, because we're praying for the entire world, particularly fellow disciples, to grow in God. So today's passage refers to intercessory prayer, prayer of petition. 
it absolutely does not describe or resolve the reality and the mystery of intercessory prayer. When I hear, hey, this is going to be about intercessory prayer, part of me can say, yeah, I want to know more about how this works. I want to know how I get more good things, or we, when I'm feeling charitable, we get more good things from God. That's not an invalid question. This passage doesn't just somehow resolve all of that, but it does lift up deep truths that are meant to provoke us and get us thinking to understand many of the most important questions about intercessory prayer. So see if you get this. I'll get you going. This parable Jesus gives in here is about a dishonest judge. The dishonest judge has a vulnerable widow who keeps coming to him asking for a just decision against her adversary. Justice means what's right and true. Justice ultimately means for things to be ordered according to God's will, according to God's truth. This judge is dishonest. He does not care about God. He has no respect for any human being. He does not give her a just decision, but she continually comes at him. And finally, he says in the parable, I don't care about God. I don't care about people, but I will give her a just decision lest she strike me. The verb in Greek is taken from boxing, unless she gives me a black eye. He's afraid that she's going to punch him in the eye, so he renders a just decision for her. That judge has absolutely nothing to do with God. What Jesus says in the parable is pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. God, who is justice God's self, God will see to it that justice is done speedily for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. God will see to it that justice is done speedily for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. I hope that from the get-go provokes you. This world is filled with injustice. Look at the injustice too many of us injustices suffer in this city 24-7. There are a lot of God's chosen ones, really good people, we'll put aside all the nasty people, really good people, innocent people, who all over the world and in this city are suffering terribly from injustice. And they are crying out to God day and night, asking God for what they believe are good things. I'm going to purposely give you what I find the perennially clearest example of this. And if you tire of my using this example, I hope that you're very much involved in addressing this reality. It's because it's just so uncomplicated. Hunger. In this world, the latest statistics I have from the United Nations, in this world in 2020, the estimate is between 720 and 811 million people suffered from hunger in 2020. That's nearly one out of every 10 people on this planet. We know in this city how many people suffer from hunger. Anybody with any kind of a conscience, anybody but an evil person, you don't have to even believe in God, understands that justice is that hungry people be fed. Yes, I think we would have nearly universal agreement other than really evil people. My experience is that people who really suffer hunger cry out to God if they believe in God. They ask God because it's such a profound, complete suffering, God, get me food. 
They cry out, God's chosen ones, day and night, and yet one out of every 10 people on this planet went hungry in 2020. What gives here? You with me, you with me, you with me? So I think what Jesus teaches is really meant to provoke. Let me give you some thoughts to start you out on reflecting this passage this week. When Jesus says that God will see to it that justice is done speedily, it does put into perspective that many things that for which I ask God, and it's much easier for me to see back earlier in my life, many of the things that even that I believe are good, it turns out they're not about God's truth. They're not offensive things. I'm not just praying to win megabucks. I'm praying for things that I can now see really were not part of God's plan for me or for this world. Many things that I seek from God are just do not have to do with God's justice. So when I can honestly consider is, do I believe this is God's will? Am I positive what I'm looking for is God's will? That can put things into a better perspective. And that's for many of us why we always include in our prayer, thy will be done, because I don't necessarily have a clue what God's truth is or God's will is. Next one, speedily. Clearly, justice is not nearly always experienced fully on this planet. All of us are going to die whenever we die, still with injustice in our lives. That's just a fact. 25,000 people will die of hunger on this planet today. Nine million people globally will die of hunger today. 22% of children under age five on this planet suffered stunting as a result of hunger in 2020. That is all breathtakingly unjust. If God's justice is done, it's done. Clearly, it's not just on this planet. Clearly, it's done eternally. It begins on this planet. It's meant to grow and grow on this planet. But the deepest truth, the deepest good for which we all seek does not occur on this planet. It is a fallen, sinful world. If I love Eileen, I am always going to pray that she be healthy and that she not die. But she's going to, you know this, yes, you're going to die. She's going to die on this earth. All of our earthly lives are going to come to an end. I can pray and pray and pray, and it's really valid, and God hears this. But if I'm praying for her to never experience earthly death, that prayer is answered eternally. It's answered with eternal life. Next one, and I hope this passage really can, I hope what, anything I'm saying here, you're still saying, yeah, but. So speedily, the truth is, and I, may, I do not want to hear this a lot of the time, the truth is that our experience of time on this planet is just a breath compared to the eternal life that we are created to live. The time we spend on this earth is nothing relative to eternal life. You have to spend time accepting this truth, particularly when I'm suffering, particularly when I'm suffering injustice. Time goes so slowly. One day for a person who's dying of hunger, 
one hour for a person who's dying of hunger can be the slowest experience of time on this planet. The truth is, if Jesus says, Jesus says God sees to it that justice is done speedily, either that's a lie or he's talking about God's time, eternity. We have to get this and we have to share it with one another. We live in a Western world where because time seems so slow and we don't even believe in eternal life, people kill themselves and they kill other innocent people because they are not experiencing justice. This life can be really long, but in fact, it feels long. It is not long at all. Still with me, still with me, still with me? I hope you're saying, I still am not satisfied here. To me, the biggest part of that passage is what Jesus then says. When the Son of Man, which is the term he uses exclusively for himself, when he returns, will he find faith on earth? When Jesus returns at the end of time, his second coming, to bring human history to its completion, which could be today, no one knows the day or the hour. When he comes, his second coming, to judge the living and the dead, or you can apply this to yourself if you die today, or whenever you die and you meet him who is your judge, will he find faith on earth? Just think about this, it's very straightforward. 775, we'll say the median number, million people on this planet are hungry. There is more than enough abundant, nutritious food on this planet to feed everybody, including everybody who's hungry. No more data needed on this. It is universally understood. There is more than enough food, more than enough food on this planet to feed hungry people. What would justice be? Well, Jesus teaches it definitively. The first things he repeats back to us when we're judged eternally or today, when I was hungry, you fed me or you didn't. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink or you didn't. Anyone, particularly a Christian, must be able to understand because kids get this. Christianity 101 is when people are hungry or thirsty, we give them food and drink. And if you don't like hungry people, when I was a stranger, you welcomed me. So throw that in. So here's the hunger, here's the food, here's the teaching about what justice is. If Jesus comes today, will he find faith on this planet? No, significantly no. Particularly in the United States of America, where we have the means immediately at hand to feed everybody who's hungry in this country, he will find some faith, but will he find Christian faith lived out? Christianity 101, measurably, he will not. So when I hear that passage and I'm wondering about how do I get more good things from God? How does this all work? Maybe the real question is, how do I give more things from God? God does not primarily answer prayer through miracles. God answers prayer through people who choose to live justice. God does not miraculously feed hungry people. God feeds hungry people through you and me. I have no question that God hears his chosen ones 
cry day and night, God, give me food. I have no question God hears that. I have no question God gives us the answer to the prayer. It's all around us, food. The question is you and me. Will he find faith on earth? So please don't jump off a bridge on the way home. I feel provoked by that passage and just by that very clear example. To conclude positively, so many people, including so many people in this parish, really do live faith. They believe in God, they hear the teaching of Jesus, they put it into practice, that's faith. You show me day after day in this community that if Jesus returns, will he find faith on earth? Yes, because I see you living it out. The good news here is when I do live a life of faith, I do see that justice is real. No matter how unjust this planet is, when we choose to live as people of faith, justice becomes real. I come to experience that it is going to be eternal, not because Jesus gives images, which are important, of heaven, for example, as an eternal banquet, because I am part of feeding hungry people. I know in my soul this is going to become eternal. Nobody is hungry in heaven. Nobody is hungry in heaven. I know this at the depth of my soul. And when I live as a person of faith, what a shock. Life starts moving much more speedily because there's so much need to be addressed 24-7. When I choose to live as a person of faith, life really gets going, even if I'm suffering lots of things, because I'm busy living love. I believe that passage is about how much God wants to give what is good and just from us. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.